0: Have you ever felt stuck? Or maybe you haven't found the right career? Dan Webster is my guest today, and he has made a career from those questions. He helps people find their career and calling, writing books like Finding Your Way, and another book called Unstuck, with co-author Randy Gravett, a book called The Real Deal, that goes out to organizations like Chick-fil-A and Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Dan is a gifted communicator, and one of the world's best leaders. And it's only fitting that his organization is called Authentic Leadership. An engaging and powerful conversation with my friend Dan. We had a great conversation over coffee today. My name is Noah Corsten, and welcome to the 4Cs Podcast. Dan, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, I, I had Brad Gray on, he was one of the last episodes, and. I, I let him know that we, we were gonna have you on, and here we are. So it's good to have you on the podcast,
1: Young Brad, the the, the young rabbi,
0: the young rabbi. You're so right. So
1: Brad, um, Brad's
0: amazing. Love he Brad. Is, he's incredible. Now, how do you, fill our listeners in a little bit? Like, what what is your guys's connection again? Because you guys were out in Michigan, is that right?
1: Yep. Yeah. Brad actually uh, came to be the teaching pastor at a church that my wife and I attend guy must be five or six years ago now. Wow. And uh, one of the things that amazed my wife and I is we would listen to his teaching every week. He was in his early thirties and we would go away. And stu- I, I mean, I went to Bible college. I went to seminary and I studied the scripture and taught it for a long time, decades. And we would go away every week saying, you know, I never knew that because he is a <laughs> monster and he, uh, he, he sees uh, scripture through the time that it was, through the culture that it was spoken into and yeah. all the different dynamics that involves that I'm sure you guys talked about. And so yeah. he's yeah, he's a really interestingly gifted guy.
0: Yeah, yeah he's incredible. And Dan, I, I'm excited to have you on. I, I, I was telling you before we started it, you know, selfishly gives me a reason to hang out with you because I think you provide so much value for others. But I just appreciate your friendship, you know, for three generations of course since uh, you put up with three generations <laughs> from my grandpa. <laughs> To yeah. myself, so uh I just appreciate for what you've done for our family. But this podcast is is rooted in connection, and really, uh, we want to just the goal. of This podcast is really to throw a wrench in just to some of the connection crisis that we have. Like most people can't have conversations that we're having today. And man, you have so much resources and wisdom that that can add to this conversation today. So oh, no, I what thought you
1: ju- what you just said hurt my feelings, so I'm canceling you. I'm out.
0: <laughs> I think. I think you you provide you yeah. and, and so many of your friends. I mean, your books that you've written, especially with Unstuck, Finding Your Way. Um, I think really highlight the the goal of this podcast, which is to help people and find their passion and and get people interested. And and so um, I got my coffee today. You know, this, this is how we're having conversations. Are it we, gonna, are we here. gonna
1: bump? we we'll
0: bump. will bump the virtual bump here. There, there it go. is.
1: All right, all right. <laughs> Mine is you- Guatemalan.
0: Ooh! High
1: quality Guatemalan coffee.
0: I like it. Uh, pour I over. I made my pour over. Wow! Look at you, black. Oh yeah. That's the. Oh, I'm though. white.
1: I don't have that much pigment
0: in my skin. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you know, connection, and you know, not only connection is one of your bread and butters, but helping people find what they want to do with their career. I think you're so good at that. So I, I want to talk about today, like what what is your steak sauce? For helping people find their calling, and you know, I I'd love to follow up with once once you get there, but um, you know, because you have found your passion and your calling, so and what solidified your calling? So kind of a loaded question, but I'd love to start out the podcast there.
1: Do you want to start out with me, or what I think is the steak sauce? What do you want to What do you want me to do? Uh, up to I'm you,
0: not. yeah.
1: Okay, I think uh, the steak sauce for me uh, when I talk to people who are trying to who are at a place of transition or frustration or bewilderment is the concept of self-awareness. And that's really nothing new. Uh, And I'll illustrate Mm -hmm. this. When uh, my youngest son was a senior at Michigan State, you know, he calls Judy and I says, hey, he's a goalkeeper. He said, are you going to come out to to the soccer game? I said, of course, we're going to come out to the soccer game. So he said, well, will you take Amanda and I, who was the woman that he was dating at that point, out to uh, dinner afterwards? I said, sure. And uh, being the father of a college kid. I know it's never just Logan and Amanda. So after the game, we're at Mongolian barbecue, you know, and you've got Logan and Amanda and you've got uh, Molly and Phil, and you've got Brad and Katie, like $180 later, you know, the the burden of a uh, parent of a college kid. So we're sitting there and about uh, 20 minutes into the meal, Katie, who is Amanda's roommate, uh, goes off on a rant. And she is lamenting the fact that she's a senior at Michigan State. She has spent all of her parents' money. She has spent all of her money. And she has no idea what she wants to do in life. So, and I'm listening to her. She is so compelling, so animated. I put my fork down and I'm just watching her. So she finishes with this big sigh. And I I said, Amanda, I said, Katie, do you want some help with that? And -hmm. she looks at me like, help with what? I said, help with knowing what you should do with your life. And she gives me this, like, there's help. And I look at Logan and I said, Logan, um, uh, this is your meal. Uh, if you give me a few minutes, maybe I can help Katie. You're okay with that. And he said, Dad, that's fine. Just don't embarrass me. Hmm. So I took off my shirt and danced on the table as any dad would, you know, at that moment.
0: That's and, incredible. Uh,
1: so I said to Katie, I said, Katie, listen, I think your greatest ally in discerning what you, the direction you should head in pursuing your vocation is your sense of self-awareness. And she, she looked at me and she said, help me understand what you mean by that. I said, well, how, how alert or attentive are you to, as you move through life, when you feel life entering you and you feel alive and energized versus when you feel life draining from you and you feel bored and sedentary. Hmm. And she, you know, she looked at me and she thought, you know, I think I'm more attentive and tend to groan more when I'm bored. I said, Hmm. okay, fair enough. I said, if I could uh, give you a little self-awareness exercise, this is what I encourage you to do. Take out a you know, a, a journal or a notebook, and uh, I want you to think back through your freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year at Michigan State. I want you to draw a line down the middle of the page, and I want you to year by year write down the classes that were easy for you to attend. It could have been maybe there was a great professor you got a kick out of, but th- those were classes that kind of pulled you into them. On the other side, write down classes that you just endured. I said, okay, so do that. And then after you finish that little assignment, then what I want you to do is I want you to think about what are the part-time jobs that you have had over the last four years at Michigan State? You know, kind of beer and pizza type jobs. Uh, I want you to write down the names of each one of those jobs. And I want you to think about this. What percentage of that job over the last four years, part-timer, did I actually enjoy? I don't want Mm. to know if you hated the job, 85% of the job. I don't care about that. I want to know with the 15%, what were you doing during the 15%? What was unique about the 15% that brought life to you? Mm. And I said, third thing i tell you to do is uh, Michigan State, like a lot of universities, they encourage people to volunteer. And so you've had a volunteer somewhere the last four years. Mm. Who did you volunteer for and what motivated you? I said, if you would just take that data, and buy pizza for your friends who sit around this table next week and share it with them, I bet they would help you take the next step. Because the number one thing you gotta ask yourself is where is the life? When does life come into you? When does life, uh, when does it ignite inside of you? I said, well, I said, let me uh, me take a run at it this way. I said, Katie, if we could move this round table out of Mongolian barbecue here in East Lansing, and if I could wheel in a baby grand piano and if all of you help me lift the lid of the baby grand piano off and we set it against the wall mm-hmm. and we're leaning over, looking into all the strings. Have you ever done that? And she happens to say, yeah, my grandma has a grand piano. The lid's always up, blah, blah, blah. I said, OK. I said, Katie, do you know what will happen if we all stand quiet and I do this inside the body of the piano? I lean at the piano and I do. I say this. Hey. And everybody at the table kind of winces. And she says, I don't know. I said, well, here's what will happen inside the body of the piano. The string that is tuned closest to the resonant frequency of the note that I shout, it's gonna vibrate, it's Mm -hmm. gonna resonate. Unless you have your foot on the damper pedal, it cannot not resonate. And I said, here's my kind of conviction. I think that there are strings tuned inside of you. Now, how did they get there? Was it, uh, you know, genetics, DNA, family of origin? Was it, you know, I'm a man of faith. So did God who creates you put those strings in there? But here's the deal is when you get around issues, topics, you know, all sorts of different things, everything sends out different resonant frequencies. And when you're involved in a situation and you feel life entering you, you feel energy, very possibly one of those strings is vibrating. And I would say to you, pay the heck attention to that. So and then I went around the table. I said, why is it that when we talk to Logan, my son? When he gets around competition, multiplying money, uh, opportunity, entrepreneurial stuff, he comes alive. Hmm. When we talk when we talk about biology, diagnostics, uh, the uh, positive benefits of medicine, why does Amanda wake up today? Hmm. Uh, Logan is in sales. Amanda is a physician in California. Why is then we talk about child development and kids and family of origin? Uh, 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 Molly wakes up. Well, she's a middle school teacher in uh, Colorado now, outside of Denver. Why should we talk about beauty and architecture? Phil wakes up. I I mean, Phil will freaking wear you out about art and beauty. And he just got his master's of, actually a couple of years ago, he got his master's of uh, architectural design from a a school in Dallas. And he's part of a company now that designs minor league sports stadiums. Wow. I said, so what they have done is they have recognized what environments within which they feel life. And one of the mm. keys, um, you're gonna I told Katie, I said, Katie, you're gonna find out no matter what vocation you choose, mm. if you are in an environment that gives you energies, it will still be challenging to sustain making your contribution over the long run. Mm. But if you are in an environment that doesn't give you energy, uh you're going to be in trouble. You will not be able to stay doing that. Uh, Parker Palmer, one of my uh, mentors says that uh, people who are depressed today, he says, most people who are depressed today are not depressed because they have a biochemical imbalance. He says they're depressed because they go to work every day and they try to give the world what they do not have. Wow. I think that's brilliant. And so self-awareness is huge, you know, and even, I mean, I'm a big Bible guy. I've studied it for a long time. And the (laughs) Apostle Paul, one of the great apostles uh, of the Christian faith in the first centuries, wrote to a young guy that he was mentoring, Timothy. And he said to him, listen, pay close attention to yourself. And he wasn't telling Timothy to be selfish. He was saying, pay attention to what goes on inside of you as you bump into life, as you have new experiences, as you read things. I'm guessing if we were to look at your bookshelf, what kind of books do you like to read recreationally? What gives you energy? I mean, all these little things are tells along the way that self-awareness can begin to put together a profile that would say, maybe my next thing I should do would be to try this to see if there is life there. So, you know, that's I think that's the first thing. And in my own calling. So good. I was crystal clear for 20 years, given I mean, my long personal story. But for 20 years. I really felt drawn to help high school students. I spent 20 years of my life uh, doing uh, student ministry with high school kids. Hmm. And uh, there were a lot of reasons why I felt called into that. Uh, And I, you know, as a uh, sophomore in high school or in college, I began to experiment whether or not I was good doing that. And there was a lot of affirmation of what happened inside of me. There was life there. There was affirmation in that people, students, uh, the you know, the student ministry grew, kids were helped. I was able mm. to build a team, the guys that and men and young men and women that were part of my leadership team, they grew and benefited. And so, you know, I spent 20 years of my life doing that. And then for me, I kind of had at age 40, I'm leading the biggest student ministry in the country with over 1500 high school kids. And I walk into the auditorium mm. and I realize I don't want to be there anymore. Mm. And so there was a whole different issue that I needed to face at that point in my life, to ask myself, okay, what happened to me? Because for mm. 20 years, leading this, doing this vocation gave life to me. And now at age 40, I began to realize leading this is sucking the life out of me. And that opened the door for a whole new set of learnings. But the mm. secret sauce is self awareness. And if, and even self awareness wow. at that point, if I would have lied to myself, if I wouldn't have had uh, the courage to become curious about what is going on inside of me, what is this saying about me and uh, my application to the planet versus cursing that time, I hate the fact that I don't like what I'm doing right now, Mm. you know, choose curiosity and have the courage to be curious, um, then I would have, I mean, I had to listen to my life there and there were some things that I learned at that point at age 40 that opened the door for what I'm doing the second half of my life.
0: Mm. So good. Who, and I'm sure there was so much so many signs that that I'm sh- sure you saw personally that pointed the way for you to go where you wanted. From helping high school students to you mentioned it, you humbly said it. You had one of the biggest youth groups in the country, and now you're helping you lead leaders. Like who solidified that in your life to be like you know what, Dan? I you need to do this. Like who who's the one that steered you that way?
1: Sure, I think uh, uh, when I. Uh, came to faith and became a follower of Jesus as a senior in high school, the guy who uh, was led the student ministry at the church that I was going to, uh, before long, he said, how would you like to lead the Niners group? The Niners group, there were five ninth grade students, and he was looking for volunteers to oversee that group. So I said, okay. So I took over the Niners group and I had two other guys, uh, Marlon and Vince, who were kind of co-leaders. And over that year, the group grew to about 45. Hmm. And Noah, I I couldn't have given you the definition of discipleship. I didn't know very much, Hmm. but um, I loved doing that and I was good at it and the kids grew and you know it was like god bless that and so i have to blame ken harrow for ruining my life because i thought i was going to be
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious
1: ken created space for me and mm-hmm. so then when ken left the church and i graduated from uh, biola university i got the opportunity to take over the student ministry at that church wow. and it wasn't too long uh, after that that there was a guy named bill heibels who built willow creek community church for all those years who bumped up to me on the ramp of the youth center at that church. Mm -hmm. And I meet Bill and I find out that he has a student ministry in Chicago that has over a thousand kids. And our student ministry was about 80 or 90. And so I flew back and I saw what Bill was doing. And I so resonated with what he was doing and how he was serving high school students uh, that there was like a, a vision match, but I didn't have the skills necessary you know, in any vocation, there's a set of fundamentals you have to identify and then master if you want to move yourself or your organization, or your ministry ahead. Mm-hmm. And so what Bill did is he had done, he helped me identify a couple of the needed areas of personal development if I was really going to become a mature director of student ministry. And so Bill was a mentor there. And then Willow Creek got up and planted. And then a couple wow. of years later, it was his seeing me and believing that I had a talent where he invited me to take over the student ministry at Willow Creek. And then his compadre, Don Cousins, kind of took over the reins of giving me leadership. And it was mm-hmm. Don who blessed me because I took over the student ministry that he had created. And then I grew that. And so it was wow. individuals who, who saw me, who cared enough about me to create opportunity, trusted me enough, and then uh, gave me feedback about, you know what? That gives you life. Um, uh, people have been helped through that. And as an older person that doesn't have an agenda for you, I want to affirm that this seems to be something that you should head into. Wow. And so, you know, there were all the way along, it seems like there were always people that kind of affirmed and blessed it. And I watched, you know, Noah, I watched for the impact of my life. Uh, it wasn't just that thousands of kids came to our student ministry over the years. It was uh, probably even a more significant thing was the uh, mentoring that I did with young leaders, 19, 20 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. like your dad and like the guy who discipled him, you know, Jeff Colker. And to see the impact that happened in those guys, um, uh, those young men and women uh, really affirmed that, that I had a, that I had leadership abilities that were, that I worked hard to hone and develop and God multiplied my life into the lives of young leaders. And so you know, mm-hmm. not being arrogant. I just recognize that I'm good at this. And uh, yeah. so, and it's fulfilling. So why not do it?
0: And I'm thankful that you've leaned into your calling with that because, you know, you have led some of the world's best leaders. And I, you know, I I would throw my dad in there. I'll be a little biased with that, but I, I appreciate you, you know, leading leading the Corston family overall, just to where we are today. I've, you've played a huge impact into where we are. And um, one thing I've I've always noticed about you, is there? There's depth and there's meaning behind every word that you say. Like it's meticulous, it's well thought out, and you you know how to construct a word to where people feel it and can relate to it. And you're a great storyteller, and that's where I think that helps your leadership so well because you know how to craft something, the right word, the right message to the right person, at the right time. And I appreciate that about you, and, and I'm thankful that. You know you've helped lead leaders like people like at FCA you know at Chick-fil-A like you you play you play a part with, with what you're doing so thank you for, well, for that
1: you know I I know I am not an intellectual I'm a man of the heart that's one that's that good. doesn't if if you're a man of the heart it doesn't mean you're stupid it just means <laughs> that I don't I don't see life through my left side of my brain I see it through the right side of my brain mm. and so I feel things deeply and so story resonates with me and all along the way Um, I have been a student of communication. And when I listen to people talk, uh, give messages, when I read, uh, if I'm watching a movie, I'm always attentive to uh, being touched. Something Mm. happening inside of me. uh, If someone's given a message and I'm captivated, I I try to, A, listen to the content, but I also try to ask myself, what's going on here? And is this a am I being manipulated? Is, is this person, uh, ha, has he integrated sentences and thoughts and illustrations that really lead a person, kind of your brain to put together disassociated thoughts to breakthrough? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, I appreciate that affirmation, but I've spent decades trying to understand, learn, try to find my own. When I first started teaching, I mean, you won't even know these guys, but one week I would be Francis Schaefer. One week I would be Chuck Swindoll. One week I would be John <laughs> MacArthur. One week I would be Bill Hybels. Yeah. You know, and so you experiment with different styles until, you know, you give a 20-minute message and you evaluate and you say, you know, for five minutes I was me. Hmm. I mean, That's I wasn't good. trying to be anyone else. I was me and that felt really good. And so you develop more confidence over time and then you you trust that how you see it and how you communicate it. And you don't try to be, it it would be stupid for me to, I'm going to, I am going to create a message to prove different theorems about blah, blah, blah. Now, that's not going to work. I'm really more about, you know, heart and life change uh, than I am just about data.
0: Mm, So good.
1: If that makes sense.
0: Totally. And from that, there's so many routes that I want to go, you know, but I want to honor just our time today and, at some point I'm going to get a cigar and we're going to do a three hour podcast. Cause I, the, you're, you're, you're a sage in a lot of ways. You're, you're walking. You and Winston Barclays. Churchill. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, mean, I, you know,
1: I don't, I don't have a cigar here, but I do have like a, a Sharpie that's got a gold tip that I can do.
0: That <laughs> <with>. <laughs> Rachel
1: Marks used to carry these, he used to, ah, and, uh, any questions and any kind answers, you know, so. <laughs>
0: that's good. Well that
1: was very that was very daddish right there.
0: I know, that's good. My, my sons, all my, my R- three sons would go
1: would roll their eyes and go, Dad, shut up. Just answer the questions. <laughs>
0: But I mean, the, this podcast is rooted in communication and connection. And I think that is one of your gifts are those two things. And that's a, uh, an area where Gen Z millennials struggle with. And I, I, I'd love for us to highlight there for a second. Um, what have you noticed with all the, the young leaders that you work with, Gen Z millennials, especially today? What have you noticed? Why, why do we struggle with certain social skills and what, what would you offer as a good solution to help with that?
1: Well, I think there's been a lot of, you know, people have got their PhDs trying to study the uh, effects of technology on developing brains. Mm. You know, and I, again, that's more data than it is heart stuff, um, which I find interesting, but I don't memorize that stuff. I don't remember that stuff. I, I think there there's no question that, if from six years old on, you're uh, you're communicating a substantial part of your communication through your phone, through typing, through texting, through whatever you're doing. That is different than than sitting down and going outside and playing with your friends and doing different things where you're face to face with individuals. So there's no question. I think that electronics um, uh, can uh, it can. It can uh, it can handicap a person. It can uh, minimize their ability to be able to sit in the tension of learning how to communicate hmm. with another person. Because you can sit there and you can text something, and then someone is coming back to you, whether you're you know face to face on a FaceTime thing or whatever. Um, but it's different than sitting there. It's a weird contradiction because I don't think, has there ever been a generation of Gen Z or millennials who love sitting in a coffee shop and being together? Hmm. And isn't it weird that a generation who absolutely loves that experience would still be um, uh, not as mature or effective in being able to communicate to each other? So, Hmm. you know, since I'm not a sociologist, I, I mean, I can't tell you a lot about uh that i think family of origin if you grew up in a family who talks who uh, how many families actually have dinner around the table anymore together very very few and if you grew up in a home where there is a dinner table four or five days a week and parents are asking you know without being uh prying you know if if you're 9, 10 years old and, hey, how was your day? Well, this happened, this happened, whatever happened. You get to be a teenager, you get a little more private, you're trying to discern your identity, and you want your parents just to stay out of your life. But, <laughs> but if you sit around the table and you're still listening to people talk civilly to each other, you know, just not throwing a fork at your little brother that annoys you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure that happens too. I think that uh, if, if people, kids who have that gift, I think that's a monstrous gift and that, but if your parents get to the point where they give you an iPhone and all you do is communicate that way i mean technology was often awesome i my judy went to san diego state 90 miles away from me for 2 years and we were on the phone every night that technology was wonderful you yeah. know I, and i'm really grateful for that um but i so i think that's one thing uh, another thing i think that can that uh that younger people need to pay attention to uh to me that is um, uh, it makes me sad. It, uh, um, the the sense of of uh, there there is a fragility in the generation. And this mm-hmm. is what I mean, is that uh, one of the things that um, handicaps communication is I'm so fragile in what I believe that if I, if someone challenges me with it, the temptation is just to gravitate towards my tribe that shares my beliefs and to pretty much cancel you Mm. rather than to engage you in a relationship and to, and to get beyond the shouting and listening. But help me understand how you got to that conclusion. Why do you believe that? Why do you Mm. think that? And can we, can we have a a civil debate? I, I mean, for, For uh, like Stanford Law School a while back there was a visiting professor uh, and right in the middle of this guy's lecture, there were three students that stood up and shouted the guy down what you just said hurt my feelings Hmm. you know what I'm saying well, welcome to life you know, and so but then, and I'm not saying that to diminish or to shame a culture, it's just that I, I think, you know, we gotta be a little, we have to have the courage to develop adult relationships, adult conversations. Um, We need to, I think it's important for us to embrace and to respect the, the beliefs of other people and to be curious about them and mm-hmm. to allow them to communicate that rather than just, you know, here's where I stand, here's where you stand. And you know, mm-hmm. that, that makes me sad. Uh, okay. One more thought and then we can move on to the next one.
0: No, you're good.
1: Anything that lasts, certainly in nature, takes a long time to grow. Mm. And so uh, all of the really significant relationships I have are years old. And almost Mm. all of the significant relationships that I have, have, we have faced obstacles. And there is a technology to community. Um, You know, Scott Peck in a book called The Different Drum talked about the technology of community and how most people choose to live in pseudo community Mm. instead of in true community. And Mm. pseudo community is where we smile and we're nice to each other and we never really share our truth. True community is where we have worked through these steps that have enabled us to really love and understand each other. And Mm. what Peck says, he says the first step to true community is someone has the courage to share their truth. Mm. Now, the problem is that when I speak my truth, and if you don't agree with that truth or that truth hurts you, it creates chaos. And Peck says that chaos is the first positive step towards ultimately experiencing true community. Mm. Now, he says that chaos is so chaotic that when we experience it, rather than hanging in there, What we do is this feels so uncomfortable because our differences are on the table and, you know, I'm experiencing emotions that most of us will run back to pseudo community rather than taking a courageous step towards what he calls understanding and emptying yourself. Because if, if I empty myself of I need to win here, I need to be right here, I need to save you here. Rather, if I'm able to, okay, there's tension between you and me right now. I'm going to choose to try to pursue understanding. Why did you say that? Why are you behaving the way that you did? Not to shame you, not to tell you that you're wrong, but to try to seek understanding. And if two people will, will share their truth, put it on the table, realize, okay, we're feeling chaos right now. Let's not run from this, but let's be curious and ask each other questions to understand So if we reach understanding and if we just decide, listen, this conversation uh, is not about winning. True community is not about winning the Mm -hmm. argument. It's about understanding. And if we do that, then we work through that to a place where I give up my need to win, to fix, to control, to save you. And I come to understand you. And then all of a sudden community happens. Mm -hmm. Listen, you're newly married, dude. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I we true. could
1: talk about this right now. <laughs> have, have you and your wife ever spoken truth and created chaos and been tempted to go, it's not that big a thing, honey. Let's just go back and we'll live <laughs> together, but we're really not close. Everybody who's ever been married knows what that is. Yeah. And if you build a marriage, you realize we grew up in different families. We have different you know, ideas. We have different approaches. And yep. when we share our truth, listen, uh, then that's going to create a little chaos and you mm. can bring a person into chaos with a little chaos, or you can be a butt and just yell at someone, you know? Yeah. And, and I, think that, I think that learning how to, uh, learning how to engage those conversations and all the people that you love, you're going to bump into them. And so to be able to navigate, they to understand the technology of community as as Scott Peck talks about, I think so is good. brilliant. I, I think it's really brilliant. And so, you know, but it takes time to do that.
0: Mm. I had a, uh one of my guests on the show is called uh, his name is Paul Batura and he's a vice president of communications that focus on the family gifted writer. Uh, one of the, one of the guys that he wrote on was Paul Harvey And he talked about similar to what you were saying of Paul would talk about how uh, Paul Harvey, I should say, not Paul, but the rest rest
1: of the story. Yeah.
0: The rest of the story. Yeah. He would just talk about how some of our relationships can be very cordial. Like, Oh, how's the weather. And then you're talking about true community, like seeking that next level of a relationship is important. But I also know when you're talking about that, so many thoughts came up, obviously, number one, it takes time to have a true relationship. Number two is one of the focus on this, this podcast is we want to make the table great. You know, that's where I've seen a lot of fruit come from relationships. But I also know when you were talking about that, I'm sure there's some people when you're describing of, Hey, let's seek to understand clearly. I mean, we watched from 2020 on, we don't know how to better understand, but I also know there's, I'm sure there's some people listening of, you know, there's sometimes when people cross that line of truth and I need to speak up. So what, what's a good way to better understand that person in terms of if you feel like they're crossing the line um, and how do, how do you handle that? Maybe that's maybe more a conflict question. And I didn't think we would go this route, but we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily know how to have conflict. So how, how, how would you handle those, some of those people who they're crossing the line a little bit and it, it needs to be addressed?
1: Well, by crossing the line, are you saying I have a friend who is behaving in a way that is destructive to their life and I need to speak up? Yes. Or are you saying that just in the flow of a human relationship, they have an opinion that is crap and they, and they don't? That's real- true. <laughs> you know, I, they have, they yeah, have an opinion that's been influenced by other people. I
0: you can know, go either I- route. Let's do the second one because I feel like more people struggle with more of probably speaking up when they shouldn't. And not better understanding yeah I, I let, I, and I know this is kind of off the, off the beaten path a little bit, but I I think you have great experience with this so I, I would love to ask that.
1: Well, there are nuances to that. If the person has a platform and is a friend and is speaking to a lot of people and is just saying stuff that is craziness and there's a lot of that that's happening today. Hmm. Um, if if they are a friend, Then uh, then if you care about that person, I would think I would think two things. A, I want to have a conversation with them in private Mm. and I want to ask myself what has led them to behave like that or to believe that Mm. rather than just react rather than mirror what's going on back to Mm. them uh, or to shout, try to shout them down or to try to. Uh, you know again, win the argument, I would I would want to sit down with them and I a, I'd want to reaffirm uh, our, the importance of our friendship and uh, and I would begin there and then I would say there were some things that you said uh, that I don't know they were confusing to me. And can you hmm. tell me a little bit more about how you got to that conclusion or why you think that's true? So hmm. if I do that versus, you know, saying, what the heck did you talk about? You were a real ass during that talk. (laughs) I mean, you can can begin here or you can begin here. Mm. And so I think it takes more maturity and more love to step back and to say, listen, I know people behave the way they do for a reason. I know people believe what they do for a reason. Mm. Sometimes they haven't thought through those reasons. And so how can I generate an honest conversation where we don't get sidetracked purely by emotion or thinking that, by me challenging what you said there, I'm not saying that you're a terrible person. I mean, you're mm. my friend. I'm not saying that that you're stupid. I'm just saying that. Listen, I'm on. I'm trying to figure life out too, and that caused dissonance inside of me. And so, can mm. we talk about that? And a lot of it is on on how we get into, uh, you know, uh, having those conversations. And listen, Noah, you know, I've been 50 years. You know, I've been involved in human relationships and building leaders and conflict and all this kind of stuff. So it's easy for me to say five decades later that it is easier for me to do that, and it is. When I was in my twenties, most of the time, I would I would have the courage to call people out on issues, but it would start here Mm. rather than start here. That's good. And you know, when people feel attacked versus uh, uh, longing to be understood because okay you believe that listen you're a smart person uh, you, uh, you've obviously reached that conclusion for a reason talk to me about that did your parents feed you that did you have a class did you have a really bright professor at the university that uh you know whatever that rolled over your brain and he did his phd in this you never really thought about it so you kind of felt like an idiot so he must be right and so you embraced <laughs> that i don't know you know there's a lot of things that can do that um but I think acceptance, understanding and uh, realizing that, you know, giving people the benefit of the break, uh, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt that
0: hmm.
1: they've reached a conclusion for a reason. And so good. So, yeah, you know, we can talk about that.
0: No, I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I put you on the spot a little bit with that question, but I figured you'd handle it fine. You did. And I, I think the, the word that comes to mind again, I think when you mention that is, it's just depth. Like what, what kind of relationship do you have with that person? You know, some people use social media and podcasts sometimes, and just media in general to be destructive (laughs) instead of upbuilding. And
1: I and and, uh, you know you can you can get away with a lot of stuff mm. by typing it out and not having a person sit in front of you. Go wait, wait, so true. Wait, wait. What What do you What do you mean by that? Are you serious? Do you believe that? Mm. Uh, You know, you can just you can tweet all sorts of idiot stuff. So yeah. Rather than thinking it through, right? You know, so I mean, on on one hand, doing that says I have a deep longing and desire to communicate with someone. On the mm. other hand, I'm also communicating. I'm not mature enough at this point to be able to build a relationship of depth, and so this is the best I can do. You know, which <laughs> is, which is sad. You know, it's it's too bad. Right. And I don't
0: oh, you know. I don't,
1: 100%. There, I don't know what percent of people who send mean texts do it because they're really upset and mean, whether they just want to be recognized, whether they're longing for real relationship. I don't know. Again, it's trying to get back to why are people behaving the way that they do and how do we figure that out?
0: So good. Well, I'm not even going to get to half my questions, so I accept that. Uh, And I want to honor your time. But I I think, you know, you're a communicator in every way. And a lot of what we're talking about today is communication. You help people get to the careers that they want to be at and, and really mentor so many others. Um, how are you sharpening your skills as a communicator now? And maybe talk to maybe a little bit of the younger generation, Gen Z millennials, like what would your advice be to them to, to really sharpen the saw in terms of communication
1: Well, I mentioned earlier, uh, if you have a desire to, you know, uh, write or speak or, um, you know, if you're a poet or if you're a musician, I, I mean, if you want to pursue a vocation of communication, then you got to study the art. Mm. And like, and Paul Harvey, as you mentioned earlier, he was brilliant storyteller. So if you want to tell stories, uh, then listen to Paul Harvey and try to figure that out. I used to, uh, there are, um, there are people who uh, just seem to have the ability to communicate and then they can change gear. So just become a student of communication in whatever arena you're in. I mean, if you're going to talk about what am I doing to continue, I read. Uh, I read books that um, I read them for, how, are they are they good? If they are good, what's true about the author? It's like, uh, you know, one book that I read called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer, Great book. Which, is, which is a wonderful book. But as I read that, it's written in the format as if you're listening to him give a message. Mm. You know, there's pauses, there's sense of humor and stuff like that, which I really enjoy. But just... You know, I mean, some of the books I've recently read, Embrace the Suck by a Navy SEAL, mm. you know, uh, about be comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, I read a book called Celebrity for Jesus that is all about, you know, primetime, well-known celebrities over the last 10 years in the faith uh, that have all blown up their lives. Uh, a book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Mm. I mean, so I, I read. That's very important for me. And I pay attention to communication. I try to, I try to get around other people. I try to relate to people who are growing too. Um, mm. That's really important. I try to expose myself to feedback. Um, right now, you know, I do a lot of uh, training for an organization called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah. And I, do, I, uh, I have four sessions with every new staff person. There's three onboards a year that are week long processes. And I have the first two mornings. Well, there's a new training director. I I have been giving this workshop, these four sessions for the last 11 years Mm -hmm. at every training camp for FCA. There's a brand new training director for FCA. And so, uh, we are, I have had a couple lengthy conversations with this guy, Luke Lamas, who is, uh, Inviting me to reassess everything that I'm teaching, mm. and you know, and the immature part of me goes, Dude, I've been doing this for 11 years, it's worked every time out, don't screw <laughs> with it, you know. But the mature part of me says, This is wonderful because I'm revisiting all of this, and now we're thinking just not about how can I teach this, but how can we create a version of this that a lot of other people can teach too, yeah. And so, I try to expose myself to that kind of feedback, um, and then you know, the last thing, you know, which I've, I i do not know if we said this or not, but you just try to manage your own heart and stay humble because humility creates space. Pride mm. fills space. Mm. If I have sincere humility, then I'm open to the voices of others that would give me feedback. I'm open to the voices of God, the voice mm. of God. I'm open to the gifts of other people it creates a safe place around me for the gifts and talents of others. So, mm. uh, and those things, and, and I keep uh, doing it, you know, you, you lose your your edge if you don't continue to practice. So you practice, you study people that are really good at that, you keep reading, you expose yourself to feedback, no matter how many times you've done it. Mm. I can remember um, when I was at Willow Creek, Josh McDowell, how many messages have Josh McDowell given over his lifetime? A billion, you know, oh, for uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, mm. he came and spoke at Willow Creek. And I remember um, Bill the next week said that in between after Josh's first message on Saturday night, he's, you know, Saturday night and then two on Sunday morning, we went back to my office and Bill said, hey, Josh, uh, could I give you a couple of thoughts? And Josh said, please, no one ever gives me any feedback on my messages other than it was wonderful. Mm. And so Hybels said, I can give you two or three ideas on how it could be better tomorrow morning. And it said volumes to me about Josh McDowell McDonald, that he was open to receive feedback. And it was sad mm. to me that no one ever gave him feedback. Um, mm. And so, you know, I, and he was better, you know, Sunday morning. And those cert, those two messages were better. Maybe no one noticed it, but there were nuances of communication, you know, how he might've dieseled around a point, shared two stories around one thing rather than trusting people got it with the first story and then moved on. He saved some bibles. Uh, his criticism of my messages when I was there most of the time <laughs> was he would say, Dan, that was a good 34 minute message. It could be a great 29 minute message. Wow. And, you know, he would talk about that last five minutes of razoring down um, is where the real work begins. And mm. he's right. I mean, it, it was, uh, That was hard to hear, and he had a lot of other criticism to
0: share
1: too. But the point is, is was I open to hear it?
0: So good. Well, Dan, you, I man, I you have so many accolades where I we we could go down what you're doing now. But I I want people to get plugged in with what your work is doing. You you're an author, obviously you're you're a well known speaker, um, and I I think you you and Randy Gravett have written two books that I really think can help young men in this generation and, and a lot of young women too, to help really find their calling. Um, I'm going to shamelessly plug that. Do you mind talking about just some of those books and just what you're working on now and where can people find you?
1: Well, Finding Your Way is a book that Randy and I wrote together. And uh, it really is, it contain it's a story about a senior in at the university who is trying to find his way. His name's Mark. And the first line of the book is, He comes home on Christmas Eve. He's a senior at the university. And the first line in the book, he says to his dad, dad, we have to talk. And his dad says about what? Mm. And Mark says, well, dad, uh, you're a successful bank president in town. You're adored in the community. And you focused me towards finance. And I'm a a senior now and I'm not feeling it. I want to change my major. Mm. (laughs) And his dad's writing the tuition check for the university. And they get into such a huge blow up then Mark storms out of the house, grabs his backpack and drives back to college and sleeps in his car overnight on Christmas Eve. Mm. And the next day he is wandering around trying to find something to do on Christmas Day and he he's not a big coffee drinker but he sees a coffee shop called The Wake Up. <laughs> and he wanders in and it's 10 to 4 and Katie, one of his fellow finance majors, is working the counter. Mm. Katie looks at Mark and says, Mark, what are you doing here? I thought you were going home for Christmas. And Mark says, uh, I did, but it wasn't a very silent night at my house last night. See <laughs> That's good writing. Um, Christmas, silent night, bada Um, And so Mark tells her what's up. And she says, Well, I, I can't imagine your dad's not excited about you changing your major. But Mark mm. says to Katie, Katie, you're a finance major. Do you actually like it? And Katie loves it. She's dead in her sweet spot, all sorts of passion. And uh, Mark says, geez, how did you figure that out? How did you find your way to that? Because I'm lost right now. Hmm. Katie says, Mark, I guess I have to blame my dad. As I grew up, my father paid attention to what interests me. He said, Hmm. he said, my dad would have friends over all the time for dinner. And before we would get up, he would ask them, listen, Tell my daughter what you do for a living. Tell my son what you do for a living. Whether it was a husband, wife, man, and woman. And they would share their a little bit about their vocations. And she said it was my dad, Mark, who noticed that I woke up whenever banking, finance, money, you know, was talked about. Mm. And so I guess I have to blame my dad. And so Mark says, Jesus, it sounds like your dad's more Yoda than father. I'd love to meet him. <laughs> and Katie says, Mark. He's the head barista and owner of The Wake Up. He's coming to pick me up in 10 minutes. It's going to be four o'clock Christmas Day. We're shutting it down, going up for dinner. And so in walks Jim Clark, Katie's dad. Mark meets him, gives him the short story. Mark's invite, uh, Jim invites him back the next week. And Jim becomes Mark's mentor and leads him through a process to help him find his way. Oh, between then and graduation. And the process that the book contains is if you want to find your way, you got to look back. You mm. got to look in, you got to look up, and you got to look out. And mm. Jim gives Mark assignments around each one of those. And in the back of the book, I'm looking if I have one in my office. I do. Hang on. Shameless promotion here. I love it. Like in the you know finding your way. There but in it the is. Back of the book. There's a section that yes. has the black edges of paper, and mm. this is a journal that if someone wanted to actually go through the process that Jim leads Mark through to help get clarity on finding their way, Mm. um, that would, uh, that would be pretty cool. It's been, it's been great. There have been, you know, colleges that have bought it for every incoming freshman. And I wish every high school senior and every college kid in the country could read it, but it's really good for anybody who's stuck. And then what we do is in the next book that Wiley and sons published called unstuck is Uh, Mark's courage to not live his dad's life, but to live his life, challenges his dad, whose name is George, (laughs) uh, to have kind of a midlife crisis. George begins Mm -hmm. to wonder, why did I go into banking in the first place? And so he goes through this whole process of trying to sort out, what if you're 40, 45 or 50, and you hit a stop sign in life? And you have to rethink why you're doing what you're doing and how do I get clarity? And that's the construct that's in, uh, you know, uh, unstuck, which is a fun story too. So
0: yeah. good.
1: And then, and then the one other book that you have there on your, on your table. Oh yeah. Which, yeah. Which is I'll really, I'll
0: plug it right here. Real deal
1: right yeah, there. If, you, if you're, if you're a faith leader and you want to, uh, develop, you know, your character, that's, that mm. is the ticket. That's kind of my opus. That's the most important thing I've ever done.
0: Oh, it's incredible. And
1: uh, people can find me at danwebster.com. Oh,
0: you know, there books, it is.
1: Books are available there. You know, that's the best place to buy them. Uh yeah. And uh yeah. So
0: Dan, it's I, I appreciate you so much. And you know, the, the demographic of this podcast is Gen Z to millennials, which is anywhere from college post grad to around, around the 40 mark, you know, and that midlife crisis is real so if any of you listening right now feel stuck with where you're at I mean Dan's resources really can be a blessing in your life so I am you know no there, there is one other
1: there's one other book that I didn't write uh uh it's called Designing your life and it's written by the guy Bill mm, mm, why can't I think of his last name
0: uh, I put in the show guys, notes too
1: one guy uh one guy helped develop the MacBook pro i think at apple and the other guy is the guy who who is the head of the design school at stanford Mm. two of them a couple years ago wrote a book called designing your life and they and they use design theory to help uh people it's the most popular class at stanford university and that's just another great resource uh you know it's called designing your life
0: all right. I, I will you. put that in the yeah. show notes. So yeah, yeah. Good. Dan, it's been a blessing. I could be here for hours with you, but you know, as we close out today, this podcast, I'm sure we'll, we'll do some around another time in the future, but that, what do you have any final words of just encouragement or remarks just for our listeners today?
1: Well, um, a, a, a good friend of mine says, you know, uh, you can find good in the world or bad in the world. It just depends where you look. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And uh, it's, I think it's, it can be easy given uh, the bulk of what is broadcast through either side, right, left or middle in the news to feel like, like all there is, is trouble in the world. Mm. And all there is, is discord in the world. And uh, you know, there's a lot of goodness in the world. Uh, there's a lot the, the longing for community The there are a lot of people that are listening to each other from different sides and so mm. you know my encouragement is just not to become so discouraged that you just give in to 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 think that it's it's not worth it it is worth it and I so think good. all of us long to build a a, commu- a home a marriage a family you know relationships that are that are life giving, and uh, you know, just just to stay at it. I mean, I, I'm choosing. I look at you, Noah, and I see good, buddy. I
0: appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey, and on that note, we'll we'll cheers to that with your Guatemalan coffee. Thanks Guatemala for being on the podcast. Baby, here we go. <laughs> All right, love you, buddy. Love you too, Bye Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Dan. It's always so fun to catch up with him. Such a great man and a great friend to the Corston family. And be sure to check out some of his resources, especially the books that I mentioned, Unstuck and Finding Your Way. If you're a postgraduate or even a midlife crisis right now, those books will really be a compass for you in the season. And be sure to rate, subscribe, and share with a friend. We could not do this podcast without you. It's been incredible being on this journey with you. Excited to see you next week. Until next time, we'll see you on the 4 Seas Podcast.